The work of archivists necessarily involves decisions about what to preserve and for how long. Those decisions are a minefield. That's a quote from a recent essay in The Conversation by historian Stuart Kells. So we thought we'd take a Sunday morning stroll through that minefield today by discussing what should be preserved and how is that decided with La Trobe University adjunct professor Stuart Kells. Stuart is an authority on antiquarian books and the writer of many non-antiquarian books, including The Library, A Catalogue of Wonders. Welcome, Stuart. Hi, Julian. How are you going? Very well, very well. And we're also joined by Paul Duldig, who's at the pointy end of where decisions on what to keep are made. He's the Chief Executive Officer of the State Library of Victoria. Welcome, Paul, also. Good morning, Julian, and very happy to take a morning stroll with you. It's great to have you through the minefield. Uh, in the circumstances, I should say up front as well, that this conversation will be archived for posterity when, like all our stories, it's posted on the Sunday Extra website. So no pressure, gents, but hopefully this is a conversation worth preserving. Uh, Stuart, you say right now archivists are being challenged on three levels, technological, ethical and political. Can you outline those challenges for us and perhaps give us some examples? Yeah, I, th I think part of the reason for the article is to challenge the um, mythical standard view of archivists as doing you know, quiet, benign, dusty sort of work yeah. that's a little bit kind of, you know, um, uh, a like to have, uh, to challenge that and to say, well, today that work is just incredibly important but also very political uh, in multiple senses and it's changing in all sorts of ways, uh, particularly with the digital frontier. So the kinds of challenges around retaining digital content, retaining content from the web and elsewhere, it's, it's a real minefield, to, to use your word, for, for the everyday work of archivists. And there's a whole series of paradoxes in archival work. And one of them is that in some ways, the, the work on the fringes of the archive, so things that were a little bit outside the, the sort of standard stale, pale, male view of the world, are probably the most interesting and most important things that have been collected in archives. So um, there's a real um, push in, in archives and in libraries to capture marginal voices, to capture uh, the kinds of content that probably historically were less emphasised in archives. So archivists are making all sorts of judgments and facing all sorts of challenges, including political ones. Absolutely. And the, the technological stuff that you write about in your article is fascinating as well. I was interested um, to read about the, uh, the new focus on sort of biological studies of manuscripts and information about a woman's name scratched in the margins of an 8th century manuscript and those sorts of things. It's really fascinating stuff that um, the memory institutions, as you describe them, um, are having to engage with. Paul uh, Daldig, what, you've heard what um, Stuart said. Does that resonate uh, with your work? And what would you describe as the main archiving challenges that uh, the State Library of Victoria faces? Oh, absolutely, Julian. I think Stuart describes it uh, really well. Uh, it, it is it is a political act to to remember some of this um, record of, of what has gone on. And um, it's uh, we don't take a, a side, of course, but we're we're here to to collect and make sure that people can see and remember and and learn from learn from the past. So, and it is changing all the time. I think uh, the technological side is absolutely critical. You know, if you think of yourself sitting in our beautiful domed reading room, 
uh, and you think it's just about books and then uh, literally in the next room is a, a server working 24-7 to collect social media, to collect uh, web uh, archiving, to, uh, to to really stay ahead of the, the incredible array of uh, technological advances that are being made in, in platforms, in AI, you name it. So that's, you know, critically what we do as, as archivists. We, we, we're, it's like an arms race, really. We're, we're, we're keeping up with the technology. It's always changing and, uh, you know, it's, it's part of what we do. As part of its contribution to the National Library Archive, State Library of Victoria has had to confront the tricky question of what to archive from anti-vaccine and other online conspiracy material during the pandemic, what your website calls ephemeral material to help us tell the story of this moment in time for future generations. Uh, What's been chosen for preservation and why? So libraries and archives have been doing this, you know, since the since the beginning of, of libraries, you know, thousands of years. It's important that we maintain the, a, a really strong and clear record of, of everything that was um, said, done and thought and debated and and learned from the, the human experience. So, for example, with COVID, we, we certainly have been collecting uh, materials from, you know, uh, government notices, the chief health officer's announcements, uh, right the way through to websites passing on public health information, but also in this case, um, some of the materials that have been uh, against um, <clears throat> COVID vaccines and so on. And again, we don't we don't pass judgment on that. We we our job is this happened. It's important that it's remembered, uh, and uh, it's important that we we collect it in a way that people can can access it. It's part of part of our memory, and and you know some of that memory we may not agree with. Some of that memory may well contain views that, um, you know, we don't agree with. But if we start to pick and choose, then we're starting to play the role as arbiter of that and that's not appropriate. Stuart Kells, has digital storage and its capacities uh, changed the way or the nature of decisions about what to save? Well, it has in all sorts of ways. Uh, It's changed uh, decisions just in a practical sense around how to save um, so, you know, what sorts of um, databases, what sorts of records, um, but the same, fundamentally the same uh, constraints, although they're very different in a physical and technical sense, the same constraints um, apply to digital content as to uh, analogue content, which is that we can't keep everything, the universe can't, the, the world can't keep everything. Uh, and as you know, with the um, with the internet and with other digital content, it's you know, magnifying every day. Um, and um, the idea of just having a sort of a permanent archival record, not just of a snapshot of the internet, but a, um, a working uh, linked uh, snapshot or capture of the full internet over time is just um, impractical. So there's all sorts of decisions around prioritisation and framing of that digital content and, um, yeah, it's, it's the same kinds of judgments that um, archivists and, and librarians have been making for, for thousands of years. And so um, my, part of my appeal is, though, um, and I think Paul would agree, it's, it's not just a matter of capturing, quote, the mainstream or the most obvious threads in that giant amount of um, digital content. It needs to capture diverse voices. It needs to capture things on the fringe. And so that's, that's really hard. Um, you know, there's all sorts of frontiers. If, if people look back on this era, and this is sort of strange, a strange thing to say on a Sunday morning, and I apologise in advance, <laughs> but if people look back on this era, they'd probably say, well, 
a huge proportion of the internet is devoted to pornography. So in 100 years' time, we might look back on this era as the, the pornography era. Um, and it, none of us sort of feel like it's sort of a, a sensible or practical or even desirable thing to capture all of that content into digital archives. Um, but Yes, I'm not going to put Paul on the spot to ask what the uh, State <laughs> Library of Victoria's practices are uh, in terms of archiving are in that category. But Paul, I did want to ask you about um, that issue that Stuart's just raised, that another challenge that hopefully archivists are attuned to perhaps more um, than in previous times, and that's curatorial bias. Um, how yeah. does the State Library of Victoria go about trying to identify and fill in gaps in the archival records? Well, firstly, I'd also say, Stuart, it also cats. So it's pornography and cats. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so, yeah. look, we're absolutely, uh, you know, if you don't think you're biased, then um, you're just simply not conscious of it. So we, we're all biased and, and so we, we take that very seriously. So we have um, uh, both in our, you know, recruitment of our staff, um, in our policies and strategies, but also the communities that we work with. And we have to be quite uh, strategic about it and, and quite proactive as Stuart says, we can't do everything, but we we do uh, we do look at specific communities of interest, specific trends in society, specific uh, trends in in the economy, and so on, and uh, actively go and seek out information. So we we do a whole range of things that um, you might not think about in terms of, uh, for example, with the most recent federal election. In the December before that, our team was thinking, well, there's this uh, sort of interesting movement of independent voices coming forward, um, maybe we should be collecting that material. So we reached out to those really uh, early uh, nascent uh, campaign teams and started to collect their, um, you know, their, their how-to-vote cards, their, um, their policy platforms and so on as a way of making sure that that record is there. We can't just simply, uh, you know, this stuff doesn't last forever and, you know, once an election's over, it's gone So uh, often. So we have to, we have to be uh, quite proactive. Another example would probably be with the Iranian protests at the moment. So historically we've accessed information from, and, and particularly photography, from third-party photographers. Uh, but to, to really round out that record, we've, we've now been working um, specifically with some of the Iranian protest groups to actually gain some of their photographs, obviously with their permission, from within those communities. And there are really uh, important differences in the in the perspectives in that, so it's it's um, it's just a, I mean, it's a fascinating area, and, and it's but it's you know it's really um, it's really hard work, and you've you've just got to be uh, on the ball, and, and mm. that's you know why why these kind of institutions are important, I think, to society. And we've really only got about thirty seconds left, but Stuart, how much of this ultimately just comes down to the question of cost? Oh, it's a really good, really good point. It's a constrained optimization, um, definitely. I think uh, building on Paul's point. The digital frontier is opening up a whole other different conversation around digital connections between archives and between different scholars. Mm. So um, there's a division of labour, as you know, between archivists, librarians, scholars and others. But in this digital world, there's this wonderful collective conversation and collaboration that's happening that is touching a lot of those marginal uh, and um, mm. hitherto silenced areas. So there is this general um, digital opening that's happening, but that only happens if um, archivists and uh, librarians have a basic level of resources. So, yes, yeah, there's obviously the, the question around things like Trove, for example, being properly funded, which is such an important resource in Australia. Yes. So, yeah, I, I would definitely agree.
And look, we'll have to leave it there. But I think we've got through the minefield unscathed. Uh, unscathed. Stuart Kells and Paul Duldig, thanks so much for joining us on Sunday Extra. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And Stuart's article is called uh, Disquiet in the Archives, published in The Conversation. And Paul Duldig there, CEO of the State Library of Victoria. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.